0: All right, well, welcome to Chetwin Fellowship Baptist Church. My name is David McMaster. I'm the pastor here. And uh, it's great to have you. It it snowed yesterday, which my wife has this thing, when it snows, it's appropriate now to play Christmas music all the way until Christmas. Um, So we listened to eight hours of Christmas music yesterday. And uh, I was able to talk her down from putting up the Christmas tree just yet. but yeah, uh, anyways, this past week I was listening to an interesting podcast. Um, and it was an interview. It was an interview with a Navy SEAL. Uh, and basically on what it takes to become a Navy SEAL. And if you're unfamiliar with what a Navy SEAL is, it's, it's basically like the United States special ops team. They go into the most intensive missions under the most extreme circumstances. They're basically like the best of the best. And so he began to explain his training. Before they are worthy of going on a mission, they have to endure a particular week called Hell Week. And that's the official name of this week. And during that week, they are brought to the brink of what's humanly possible in physical endurance, in mental toughness. It's about five and a half days of less than four hours sleep where they are put under um, constant high physical and mental stress. And then they're in constant motion. And very few actually make it through this testing. And what's even more crazy is they have instructors with bullhorns who entice trainees to quit the whole time. And they're literally ex- um, screaming at the guys, trying to mimic the inner voice saying, you need to give up. And if you do give up, then it's met with honor. You ring a bell and, you, and they bring you um, donuts, coffee, and dry clothes. And you get to eat that in front of your suffering students. And what's interesting about that week is that everything is designed to make you fail. They want you to fail. They want you to fail the test so that if you happen to make it through, they will have absolute confidence and assurance that you will make it on the most intensive missions that they are called to, that you actually have what it's take. All that to say, it got me thinking about this passage. It reminded me of this passage that we're in today, where Jesus is going to go through a really intensive 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, where Satan is going to try to tempt him, entice him to fail and to quit. Jesus is going to be hungry and physically weak from not eating. And what Satan wants is for Jesus to fail. And so he's going to try everything to make Jesus slip up or mess up. And what we're going to see is that Satan ends up being no match for Jesus. Satan can yell on a bullhorn for Jesus to fail, but it won't faze him whatsoever. And so Jesus is going to show his power, his authority, and his victory over Satan, even through the most intensive 40 days. And that would demonstrate that Jesus is the only one worthy of the mission that God's calling him to. So if you have a Bible, open up to chapter 4 of Matthew We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew for a long time. We're going verse by verse, passage by passage. We're looking today at the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, uh, which is a defining moment of his ministry. So let's read it together. Verse one, chapter four. When Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to them, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike. Your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, I will give you all these things if you will just fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and the angels came and began to serve him. So, if you remember last week, um, we saw Jesus being loved and affirmed by the father in his baptism. Jesus heads to the Jordan River where he meets up with John the Baptist. John the Baptist then baptizes him. And, and when that happens, the father says to Jesus, you are my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. It's a beautiful affirmation from the Father. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. From there, it says he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness in verse 1. So he goes from the water straight into the wilderness. He goes from baptism straight into the battle with the devil. He goes from total comfort in the presence of God to total conflict with Satan. Now, before we go any further, there's a few things that we need to clarify. First, we need to see that Jesus' testing here in the wilderness is a powerful demonstration of his capacity. It's rather than, I wonder if he's going to pass kind of test. It's a test necessary to the Messiah's ministry, which we'll talk about in a bit. It is a testing that is important to you and I. In our uh, Bible studies on Wednesday nights at the church, uh, we're going through the book of Hebrews. And we came across this verse in chapter four verses 15, which says, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses and has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin, which means you cannot say to Jesus, well, you don't know what it's like to be tempted. You don't know what it's like to go through the wilderness, whether that's physically or or metaphorically in the things you go through in life. And what our passage shows today is that yes, he does. Because he went through the temptation, he knows what it's like, he can sympathize with us, and yet he never sinned in his temptation, which leads us to the second clarification that we need to make, is that temptation itself is not sin. You're going to have many temptations in your life, and a misunderstanding of temptation can often defeat you before you ever resist the temptation, And just because you are being tempted does not mean that you've lost the battle, but Satan will keep telling you that lie. And the problem I see often is that you lose the battle before you ever begin to fight it. Jesus, on the other hand, when he is tempted, when he's presented with these things, he fights back. He does not lose the battle. And so being tempted is not a sin, but giving into it is a sin. With those two things in mind, I want us to consider four things this week. In the face of temptation, you need to know who you are, you need to know your weapon, you need to know what's at stake, and you need to know where your help comes from. So let's begin with with the situation that Jesus is in. Verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. This is the context of Jesus' temptation. He has been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And I don't know if you've ever fasted before, um, and it's something we're gonna talk quite a bit more in chapter six, but fasting is a powerful spiritual practice that is also really hard, especially the longer you do it. Now, 40 days and 40 nights is about the most extreme form of fasting that is humanly possible. And it's the one that Jesus does. I've personally known one person in my whole life who has done the 40-day fast with no food and just water. And what he told me, and this is really important. He said, you have to be specifically called by God to do it because it's pretty much impossible to do on your own. He said, you have to be sustained by God through that 40-day fast. I was reading another pastor who was called by God to do a 40-day fast. And he had journal entries for every single day that he did it. And, And I read through all of them. And what struck me the most was particularly in the last week, Of journal entries is when he felt the most temptation, the most resistance, the most discouragement, the most spiritual warfare and spiritual attacking. Why? Because the devil doesn't play fair. He strikes when you are the most weak, when you are physically strained, when you are isolated, when you have no energy left. Most dumb decisions and mistakes are made when you're either hungry or tired. There's a reason why they say, don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry. When you go grocery shopping, when you're hungry, you'll end up with a cart full of of food. That's not good for you because we're weak when we're hungry. Jesus is hungry. He would have been physically weak by the end of this fast. And Satan is smart. Attack Jesus at his weakest physically. And so what you'll notice in the passage is that Satan doesn't attack Jesus at the beginning of his time in the wilderness. He doesn't attack Jesus 20 days into his fast. He attacks him right at the end of the 40 days of fasting. And there's some wisdom there. You need to be on guard and ready when you're at your lowest, because that is when the devil is going to attack. That is when he's going to strike. That is where he's going to tempt you. That is where he's going to tell you lies so that you give into those temptations, especially when you're hungry, tired, or alone. Because that's when you're vulnerable, and Satan knows that. So you need to be on guard, cling to Jesus in those moments, especially if you're going to embark on a fast. So now we know the situation that Jesus is in. He is hungry. He's been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And now Satan is going to try to tempt Jesus three times. And so the first thing that we need to see in the face of temptation is you need to know who you are. Verse 3. When the attempter approached him and said, if you are the son of God, tell the stones to become bread. Verse six, it also says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Notice the phrasing that, that Satan uses, if you are the son of God, and here's what's happening. Satan is subtly attacking Jesus identity to try and manipulate him into sinning. And it's not Satan um, denying him as the son of God. He is saying, okay, if you say you are the son of God, now prove it by helping yourself, whether that be turning stones into bread or um, throwing yourself down so that the angels will catch you. And so the sin that Satan is trying to get Jesus to do is for Jesus to rely on himself instead of submitting to the will of the father. But remember, Jesus just came from the water. He knows who he is. He's being affirmed in who he is. He's beloved. He's beloved. And God is well pleased with him. Knowing who you are is actually really important because when you know who you are, you don't need to prove yourself. Jesus didn't need to prove himself to Satan. Why? Because Jesus just came from the water where he, from the water to the wilderness. And in the water, he was told that he was a beloved, that the father's well pleased with him. He already knows who he is. And he is perfectly satisfied in who he is. Now it's important for us to also know who we are because we need to assume that if Satan attacks Christ, he's also going to attack Christians. And so you need to know who you are. If Satan was to come against you, do you know who you are in Christ? Scripture has many different places that tell us who we are. And I have a list of just a few of the many. You are loved. You are a child of God. You are a joint heir with Jesus, sharing in his inheritance with him. You are a member of Christ's body. You are redeemed and forgiven. You are free from condemnation. You are a new creation. You're chosen and you're seated in the heavenly place with Christ. That's who you are. And that's just getting started. The enemy is going to try to help you forget who you are because when you forget who you are, that's when you start to sin. That is when you start to look to other things other than God. And that's when you're going to give into temptation And it happens when we end up relying on ourselves instead of Jesus. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't need to prove himself to Satan or show his own self-reliance because he has a father who loves him, who is well-pleased with him. He has a father whose will he's being called to submit to. So remember, in the face of temptation, I'm loved by God. I'm a child of God, plus everything else that's on that list which leads us to our second thing, is that you need to know your weapon. In this passage, Satan told Jesus to turn rocks into bread. Notice how Jesus fights. Verse four, he answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan also told Jesus to throw yourself down off the temple so an angel will catch you. Verse seven says, Jesus told him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Satan said to Jesus to fall down and worship him as the third temptation. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Notice that every response Jesus has is with Scripture. That's the weapon. The word of God is what Jesus uses to defeat Satan. And we have access to the exact same weapon in our Bibles. Jesus used the exact same tools that we have available to us today to fight off temptation. But here's the problem. When was the last time you read your Bible? Lifeway Research did a poll from 2019, found that only 32% of North American evangelicals read their Bibles daily. Another 67% are on the spectrum of not ever reading it to maybe once a week. And I'm going to be honest, I think that's a generous stat. I think it's a lot worse than that. Your weapon is the word of God. If you're going to fight temptation as Christians, you need to arm yourself. Saying, I don't need the word of God is like going to war in the frontline combat and saying, I don't need a gun. I'll just use myself and that'll be enough. But that's that's a dumb decision. You're going to lose that battle. If you try to fight temptation without any help from Jesus and his word, you're going to fail. Jesus fights with the word of God. And when Satan tries to tempt him, he quotes scripture right back at Satan and he eventually flees. And that's why it's so important that you read your Bible. That is why we study the Bible. That is why we meet here on Wednesday nights to study the word of God, to study, to learn about God, to worship him is one of the things we do, but it's also to study, to prepare ourselves for battle against the enemy who does not want this church or you to be reading their Bibles or furthering God's kingdom by being on mission. And a strategic way that the enemy has accomplished that is to make sure that you don't ever open or read your Bible because he knows he's powerless in the face of it. Now, it's important that I also give you a warning as well. You need to understand that Satan is also armed. And what does he use? Scripture. Even Satan knows the Bible incredibly well, and he uses it and twists it to his advantage. Notice in verse 6, he says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Notice that Satan is using scripture. He's quoting Psalm 91 verses 11 to 12. And that's why you need to read your Bibles because Satan is gonna tell you things that sound like scripture, that might be scripture, but are out out of context with subtle twists to deceive you. And I've said this before, you have to test everything against the word of God test me, test your beliefs, test others. And sometimes when things don't sound right, they probably aren't. You have a powerful book here. You have the word of God here and Satan is no match for the word of God. So Jesus, he knew the weapon. It was the word of God. Do you know your weapon? And are you arming yourself with it? The third thing is that Jesus knew what was at stake. We need to zoom out a little bit and and look at the big picture. Why is Jesus in the wilderness being tempted at the beginning of the ministry? Why did this need to happen? Well, again, we need to remember the original context, which is in the original audience, which is the the Jews. And the question that is driving the book of Matthew is who is Jesus and is he the promised Messiah? Messiah. And what's interesting is that every time Jesus responds to Satan's temptations, Jesus quotes a scripture from Deuteronomy. And most of your Bibles will cross-reference all those Deuteronomy passages um, with those temptations. But they all relate back to God's call for Israel, for his people in Deuteronomy 6, 5, which says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Notice the first temptation is concerned with the heart and how Israel's hunger was intended to test their heart for God. The second temptation tests Jesus' safety and his desire to save his soul and whether he will follow God even if it means his soul. The third temptation tests his resolve to draw his strength from God alone rather than to seek to rule the world by himself. So Jesus knew what was at stake. He knew he needed to love the Lord with all his heart, his soul, and his mind. And he proves that perfectly by not giving into any of the temptations from Satan that Israel had previously given into. That would also prove that he is the Messiah. He was the one who did what we could never do, what Israel could never do. He does not give in to temptation. He is the one who has come to fulfill God's law, his mission, and his redemption. And so redemption is at stake in the wilderness. And Satan also knows what's at stake, which is why he's attacking Jesus. And I want you to notice that that Satan strikes at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Why? Because if you mess things up at the beginning, it'll derail the future. Missionaries know this one of the requirements for most missionary organizations is that you have to have about 30 to 50 people praying for you daily before you go and be a missionary. Why? Because when you go into new territory or you're starting something new, or when you're furthering the kingdom and being on mission, especially at the beginning, the enemy's going to attack and he's going to try and derail you from the very beginning, which is why he's dera- trying to derail Jesus from the very beginning. But for Jesus, he knew it was at stake. He knew the mission. He had to fulfill all righteousness. He had to do the will of the father. He had to fulfill the law. He had to do what none of us could have done, which would ultimately lead him to the cross where he'd make possible the redemption. So our redemption was at stake. There are gonna be times where God calls you to do something and you need to remember what's at stake. What is God calling you to? You need to know the call. You need to know your identity. You need to know the weapon and be ready for the temptation because it will be knocking at the door when you start something because Satan also knows what's at stake, which leads us to the fourth thing is you need to know where your help comes from. Here's what is amazing is that we don't fight the battle alone. Even better is that the battle has already been won. Satan has been defeated by Christ on the cross. His days are numbered, his time is limited, and his destiny is set. And if you've given your life to Jesus, you have the upper hand against Satan. You don't need to fear evil because Jesus is stronger. And so when you're going through life on the the mountaintops or the valleys, in the perseverance or in the temptations, remember that Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit to help you to comfort you, and that the victory has already been won through Jesus. The last verse says, Then the devil left him, and the angels came and began, began to serve him. The devil flees and is replaced by angels. And that's good news. Jesus defeated him in the wilderness, and even more, he defeated him on the cross. Satan's future is written, and we don't need to fear him. And Satan cannot overpower a believer. He is powerless if you belong to Christ. He can still deceive you. He can still tempt you, but he cannot overpower you. So be on guard. Resist him by turning to God's strength and God will deliver you. Your help comes from Jesus. Jesus shows us in the face of extreme hunger and in weakness that he is still all powerful, that he is all victorious, and that there is no match for our God. So then what does this all mean for us today? Well, in the face of temptation, which is something we're all going to experience in this life, there's four things we need to remember is who you are that you're a beloved child of God, that you don't need to prove yourself. You don't need to seek to be satisfied in anything other than God. Second is you need to know your weapon. Jesus used the word of God to fight Satan. You have those same words in your Bible. Third, know what's at stake. Jesus knew what was at stake and what is at stake for you in the mission that God has called you to do. Are you prepared for what Satan might throw at you? Fourth is you need to know where your help comes from. You cannot fight on your own, nor do you need to. Jesus is with you, helping you. You have the Holy Spirit in you who is helping you. And ultimately, Satan is powerless because he is already, because Jesus has already won the battle. So resist the devil, cling to Jesus, and he will flee. So let's go into this week as a church resisting the devil. I'm gonna invite the worship team back up. Let's go into this week clinging to Jesus who's victorious on the cross. And let's go into this week knowing that we are not alone and that our help comes from God. Let us pray. Father, thank you that Jesus went through temptation and did not sin. That he was victorious over the enemy and that he fulfilled all righteousness. Thank you that's when we are tempted that you've given us your spirit and the word of God to help us fight against it. Help us to seek you in whatever we face this week. I pray that you would be our strength. I pray that you would remind us of who we are as beloved children. I pray that you would protect us and guide us this week and lead us not into temptation, but Lord, would you deliver us from the evil one. We come before you to continue to worship because you're the one, only one worthy of it. And I pray that you would receive our praise in your holy and precious name, amen.